All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss burrow's furniture is built for the way you live from ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating they always have their customers in mind their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you and with burrow you always get fast free shipping get up to 60 percent off during burrow's memorial day sale at burrow.com slash acast that's burrow.com slash acast Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 34 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger, along with Frank Saravalli. We've got special guest Chris Johnson going to join us in the woodjerseys.com studio. You'll see our lovely uh, Boston Bruins wood jersey. It's an official NHL apparel. You can get yours. they got all the new teams coming. I know Seattle and Vegas fans keep asking, but trust me, they're making it. It's coming. It's going to be there uh, this summer, and they should have all teams by the next season. So you can get yours at woodjerseys.com. And uh, Frank, it looks like, are you on holidays? Where are you coming from today? I am joining you from Ocean City, New Jersey. Yeah, a little uh, beach escape. And I'm a bachelor, at least for part of the weekend. Uh, My buddies are joining me down here, a little golf trip. So uh, yeah, nice little escape uh, as I continue my fun employment. All right. uh, Calm before the storm. See how sober you can stay this weekend. That'll be a good challenge. It was already a challenge today, and, and luckily I'm here doing the DFO rundown. <laughs> nice. Well, that hopefully uh, helped you. That helped your golf game a little bit. So, hey, let's get right into it. Let's let's bring in our guest. Yeah, we are pleased to be joined by this proud native of Coburg, Ontario. He started his career at the Canadian Press, eventually becoming the national hockey writer for the largest Associated Press organization in Canada, and since then. He's been at Sportsnet, where you see him on Hockey Night in Canada, on headlines of the second intermission with Elliot Friedman and Ron McLean. He diligently covers the entire National Hockey League as an insider and is one of the foremost experts covering the Toronto Maple Leafs. The DFO Rundown is pleased to welcome Chris Johnson. How are you doing, CJ? 
Man, I'm fired up just to hear that intro. Thank you. Little, little ego boost. Yeah, I'll, t- <laughs> I'll tell you where to send the check after. But uh, really happy to have you on. And uh, look, we got to dive into the Leafs uh, and what happened this week. I'm sure you know, you've had plenty of, of time thinking about it and digesting. Uh, and you've covered a lot of heartache and heartbreak in Toronto over the last decade or so. Why... In this, in your mind, do you think that this maybe did it? It felt different to me. Did, did you get the same feeling this time around? Oh yeah, it's different on. I'd say just about every level. I mean, we can talk about the players and how they reacted. We could talk about the pressure on management and, and why this is different than some of their previous losses. We could even talk about the fans. I mean, normally I'm not one to dive into this, but there's been a real visceral reaction in the city. You know, I, I had to do a TV hit at, at Maple Leaf Square. Uh, yesterday and and you know someone had spray painted one of the the statues out front like this this is different I think on a ton of levels I don't know if it's pandemic or just you know a cumulative effect of what's going on and certainly from a hockey standpoint I think it's obvious the Leafs were the top team in the North Division in the regular season they played the Canadians 10 times there was no reason really to, to think that they shouldn't win that series and they found a way not to win that series mm-hmm now, I think the you, you you say visceral reaction and and spray painting statues. That's a Philly reaction, but visceral reaction. Everyone wants a body thrown on the tarmac, and you know I think there's a lot of reasons why that's not practical in this case with the Leafs. But were you surprised at all to see Brendan Shanahan and Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe all address the media in succession? And, and know with confidence that they were speaking that they're all going to be coming back for next season? Yeah, I, I guess I'm not surprised to hear them say that. I'm just still not – and look, this is still very fresh, but I'm not 100% convinced that's going to be the case. And, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily describe it as a body on the tarmac, but, you know, certainly, okay, look, Austin Matthews not being traded. It's not what I'm suggesting, but somewhere – not so far down the pecking order. I think you could still see a change in this organization. You know, I think the GM's safe. I think the head coach is safe. But, you know, from a roster building standpoint, they still have a lot of decisions to make. They still have sort of a narrow window to thread a needle and still, and then a lot of people to kind of, they have to bring in players. I mean, they, were, they had a lot of one-year deals and I don't think all those guys will be back. And so, you know, I don't know who it's going to be yet but I'm still not convinced that we won't see what I would call at least a a mid-level shock to the system for this dressing room. You know, there's been a lot of players. I mean, even it's as simple as Zach Hyman, who's an unrestricted free agent coming up. I, you know, I just don't expect them to be back. Not because they don't want them back, but the money I I don't think is going to make sense. There's a question about where Morgan Riley goes, you know, there's still open questions. I think even about William Nylander and Mitch Marner to some degree, you know, so yes, everyone presents United Front. They say we're not going to, you know, put dynamite on this thing yet. Um, but I still, I do believe it's possible we see a big change here because, you know, th- there's a lot to manage going forward. And and look, it, it it's hard to come back and say we're going to bring the exact same core of the team back and everything's going to be different next year. Chris, you've covered this team for a long time, and I agree this one is probably the most heartbreaking loss they had because they were the, they were the clear favorite going in. But they also were without their starting goaltender. Then their second line center got injured and in, in like, what did he play? Three minutes of the series. And then you throw in Jake Muzzin, who got hurt, and is arguably their best offensive defenseman for game seven. Do they have 
the ability to be patient in their organization, say, hey, yeah, it, it sucked. We, obviously, we would like to got more for Matthews and Marner, and those players would say the same thing, but they were missing some key pieces. So does that factor into it at all, do you think, in their, their post-analysis of their team? I think quietly it does, Jason, you know, like that certainly, because those are all relevant points, right? Even Nick Foligno, who they, you know, maybe you can argue they shouldn't have went and got, I mean, he was clearly injured when he played and he missed three games in the series as well. So, you know, th that's, that's two members of their top six. And I'd say Jake Mazin is probably the most effective defenseman. He's certainly the best defensive defenseman. So, you know, they're, they're missing, not just, you know, guys that, that, that those are key pieces, but, you know, I think excuses are kind of done with in, in a lot of ways. You get to this point, you know, this, this was their fifth straight year with a postseason series. You know, you've got Austin Matthews, a Rock Richard winner, Mitch Marner, you know, finished top five in, in NHL scoring as well, points wise. You know, I probably like the, the situation you're seeing in Edmonton. There's just not a lot of patience, I guess, for the coulda, woulda, shouldas. And, and so, you know, I think that, that that definitely is part of what they have to evaluate when they're looking you know, who do we move now? Like, how do we move by? Like, that that's what the, the management's looking at. But they're also thinking they should have won the series, even without those players. And, you know, some of the underlying numbers, they scored more goals. They got more saves, actually, from Jack Campbell, believe it or not, than Carey Price. Um, you know, high-quality shots. All those things were in their favor, but they didn't find a way to win. And so, you know, I think what really hurts about this one, ultimately, is this wasn't on depth. It even wasn't on injuries or even saves. It, you know, Jack Campbell led in a tough goal in Game 7, but their two top players didn't pull them through in the end. And they still believe in those guys. They still love those guys, but I think that's why they're not playing games in the second round today. Yeah, well, I, don't, I don't care who, what team you are. If your best players aren't your best players, it's very difficult to win a series or go deep. That's just a fact. Like, there's a reason why your best players get paid the most because they're the ones who are going to ultimately have the biggest impact. Carey Price, highest-paid guy in, in – uh, in Montreal and he was their best player. Uh, now quickly speaking to Zach Hyman and you mentioned, you're not sure the numbers fit. Now I heard a rumor and I don't know how true it is that they offered him 5 million. He said, no, is that what you're hearing? You're a lot closer to your, like that number seems pretty high to me. Like, and I like Zach Hyman. I think he's a really good player, but I think he's more of a complimentary winger than a, than any sort of driver. And, and a guy is, is that like, are you thinking he could get more than that on the open market? I, I fully expect him to get more than that. And you like him, they love him. Like it's it, this is the this is one of those weird circumstances. You know, he's a local player. He's grown up with the core of the team. You know, he played even one year in the American Hockey League when William Melander was there. His first NHL season was was with Matthews and Marner. You know, he's been a, a sort of core part of this team without getting maybe the love nationally for obvious reasons. He doesn't have the skill of those players. But you know, if this was a non-salary cap league, I'm convinced he already would have been signed and he'd probably be a good candidate to be a lifelong Toronto Maple Leaf. I don't see any reason why he or they would not want that to happen. You know, what's going to happen now though, is that it's clear there's other teams. I think that will take Zach Hyman probably close to 6 million. In my opinion, I'm not sure he'll get the full six, but I, I'm very confident he's getting North of five on a long-term ish deal. And I'm just not sure Toronto can go there. And so it's, it's one of these kind of strange ones where it's a breakup and no one did anything wrong. And, there's no fight. I don't think there's even ill will. I just think both sides recognize their fit might not be there. And if you're Zach Hyman, right, because I think this gets to the heart of your point, this, this is he's never going to sign a bigger contract in his life doing anything. This is a guy who actually has outside businesses. He's a smart, smart guy. Like he's, this, he's, he's more than just a hockey player. He, he's got a lot going on in his life. But I think he sees the full business here. And 
you know, Toronto can't pay him, in my opinion, you know, five or six million as their fifth best forward. And that's how they, they kind of view him behind the big four. And so unless they're trading, in my mind, one of the, the players in that big four, I just don't think there's going to be money to keep him. Chris, as the Maple Leafs are poking at the corpse here and doing their post-mortem, is there danger at all in your mind in thinking that this team might have been closer than it obviously ended up being? You know, you hear this talk about the path to getting to the semifinals this year and how it was wide open. You just needed to beat one of the Habs and or Jets or Oilers, to, you know, to get there and, and et cetera. But when I look at the grant, you know, the bigger 30,000 foot view of where this Leafs team was in the season. And I want, and I, you flip back and forth. It's so hard to compare this year with the North and the other vi- divisions, but you flip back and forth to the other games. It seemed like a different game was being played in the North this year. And I don't mean stylistically, I mean, quality of play. And I, I I'm thinking that whichever team ends up coming out of the North is going to be in a tough spot. Uh, going against Colorado or Vegas, whoever wins that series, and it looks like Colorado, is there danger in thinking that this team was closer to that level or go heading into this summer thinking that they're close to that level? Yeah, and I think that's the real – that's the loss here, right? I mean, obviously, Leaf fans wanted to see series victories just to say they did it. But management doesn't get to see them play one of those other teams in this season, like where they've had all that regular season success. And – I think you're right. Whether they played at Tampa or Colorado or Vegas gets through, maybe even Carolina, probably Boston. You know, I, I don't see them being favored in any of those series heading into round three. You know, had they got there, we're sort of in the alternate parallel universe now. Unfortunately, if, if you're, you know, least management, you didn't even get to see that. So you don't know 100% for sure. And then next year, you're going back into the Atlantic division where you know you're going to have Tampa and Boston again, Montreal, Florida had a great year. You know, even Ottawa and Detroit, like these are teams that are going to get better and at least be tougher games through the regular season when you're just trying to make the playoffs. And so I think that is hard. That, that's that's actually why I believe you're going to see bigger change than they kind of hinted at after the season. I think that they recognize for sure the blue line has to be better and they got to make some improvements in net and they don't have a lot of cap window to work with. So you just we come back to the same problem with this team. You know, I actually don't have any problem with the top four forwards individually. I'm one of the few guys in this market that, that doesn't think William Nylander's like a waste of a roster spot, sometimes the way he's portrayed here. It, it's not about his ability. I just think it's hard to pay those guys that money and be good enough elsewhere. And so that's what sort of leads me to the it's more of an assumption as opposed to actual information. But I, I just think that they're going to have to to do something they haven't done in the past years to, to allocate cap space elsewhere to improve that blue line and to bring someone in to play the Jack Campbell next year. That makes sense. And you mentioned uh, Jack Campbell and you also mentioned Zach Hyman as a core member of this team. If you go back to last summer, it's kind of hard to almost envision this season playing out the way that it did for Freddie Anderson. You, I mean, aside from the injury, like what happened there? Oh, <sighs> It's a deep one. You know, I think, I think the injury is kind of the big one and, and more because, but what's interesting, I guess, to put it this way, Frederick Anderson, if you look at the first four years of, you know, in his time in Toronto, which is every year up until this season, you know, he logged more of a workload than anyone. I think other than maybe Connor Hellebuck, just in terms of total shot space, minutes played, game started, all that stuff. You know, he played 60 plus games for the Leafs every single season. And you know, I think that that took a, a toll on him, you know, physically, probably mentally. 
he gets into this season and early in the year, he kept pushing through, especially when Jack Campbell himself was injured. And I think that's where Frederick Anderson suffered his injury. And so it's not just about an injury. I think it's almost at some point, it might be a little bit about the principle. Like he injured himself doing everything he could for this organization. And, you know, this is another one. I actually think he likes them and they like him. I, I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility. He's back. I, I, I'm not saying it's likely, but the fit was good here. He was, you know, he, had a lot of friends on the team. I know it sounds silly to say, but his performance. They really wasn't... like him. The guys love him. I mean, it's clear when you see him interact with them. Yeah. And he's, a, he's a leader on the team. Like he's one of those goalies. Yeah. They didn't put the seat on the, the, the bottom of his mask like Roberto Longo back in the day, but like they, <laughs> they treated him like he was in the leadership meetings and things like that. He was part of, you know, the, the, the core of this thing. The problem was his body failed him. He couldn't play games anymore. They had to turn to Jack Campbell. He, goes on this run I mean he wins 10 or 11 straight games to start the season you know he's playing games and that's why it's sort of an awkward thing I, I don't think there's any plan here to push Frederick Anderson aside in this season but the circumstances conspired that way but the one thing the Leafs are sensitive about is they recognize probably the reason he got to this point where his body failed him is because they worked him too hard and so again I think it's probably a long shot but it's not out of the realm of possibilities back because I think they like him and he likes them but the money might just not work. And, and frankly, maybe this has just played itself out at this point in time. But, you know, it, it sometimes players end up bitter. I, I don't get the sense actually Freddie's all that bitter. I just, you know, it's it's been a long run here. They asked a lot of them and maybe it's time for a fresh start. Uh, it'll be an interesting offseason there. Edmonton's obviously the same. I think there's a few other teams that uh, it would be very curious to see how they change things. Um, let's get to uh, one of the bigger stories. Mark Shifley uh, gets a, a four-game suspension. It was it was interesting to watch just a lot of the varying opinions on the play by uh, yeah. Shifley, I guess, number one. Are you surprised at all with four games? I'm actually a bit surprised. You know, I, you know, I tend to think that the Department of Player Safety – tries to find reasons not to go too long. And especially in a, a case like this, I mean, I think those of us around the sport know Mark Shifley is not, has no history of this sort of thing. He doesn't have this reputation, but, you know, watching the game, he looked like he was a little bit out of control. And I think he made a bad decision in this case. Um, you know, what was interesting for me, and this is just, this is where it gets to my opinion. Some, you know, we watch so many of these hits that cross the line or that aren't good. And we're trying to make this decision. You know, what, what did this person mean in this case? And I, I actually find intent in a lot of these hits difficult to, to say because, you know, we know the game's played at a high speed. Sometimes a player is a bit slow or just just misses what he intends to do. It's not good. In this case, I think the intent's quite clear. And I, I think that, to me, is what differentiates it, even though it's not a player that has any sort of past of, of crossing the line. You know, there, there was room there to not finish that check. And, you know, unfortunately for, for Mark, I'm actually a little sympathetic um, in this case because I, you know, I just think he was seeing red. It was... Yeah. A tough loss. It was a bad time and he made a mistake, but you know, I think that was probably ultimately what led to it being a bit more than I would have guessed. And, you know, now the jets just got to try to find a way to get him back in the series by winning a couple games while he's out. He kind of seemed like he was on tilt from being in the penalty box, even on the penalty to Sherry out. And he just, and Hey, I get that. Like, it's easy for all of us to say, well, just calm down, you know, but I don't know about you guys, but you know, I, I know that my wife, every count to 10, do the key. Well, yeah, that helps when I'm not engaged in like an emotional thing, but when it comes to any sort of high emotional situation, we can all talk about how we should be able to calm down. It's not always that easy. And, and Shifley, like he, you don't make to the NHL without being a highly competitive person. And I think, you know, his emotions got the best of him. 
And you know, what's funny is had he kept skating and not glided, I wonder if maybe, maybe he might've been able to, you know, touch the puck because I think if he touches the puck and then runs over Evans, the conversation is very different, but because totally different. Evans scored, right. And then he delivers the hit. And even though it was close, you know, it was definitely worthy of a suspension. I just, the way Montreal's playing right now, and, and Frank brought this great stat up uh, last week on the pod about how teams who, who sweep a series and then play teams in seven games, and they've lost the last five, the team who, uh, who swept. So, you know, the Jets, they looked rusty. I just wonder if they have enough now to beat Carey Price without their number one center. Like that's, I just, th- I, I, I think my, like I picked Montreal before the series because I didn't think Winnipeg was as dominant as some people thought against Edmonton. I thought Edmonton just couldn't score. And and I, I just, I think Montreal is going to take this series now and it might be like five games. I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, maybe it's the prevailing wins. Maybe it's because I watched them play a bunch of those games live against the Leafs and you start to see, okay, this team isn't maybe what the outsiders view it as. They're also feeling it. I mean, this is their first four game win streak in two years. And yeah, They've found something here, and Price is obviously locked in. And look, Winnipeg has defensive issues. You know, they lose Dylan DeMello in game one as well, uh, which, you know, it's not the same as Mark Shifley, but you're starting to sort of chop away at at what, you know, helps them be successful. Uh, I'm not sure it'll be five games, but I think Montreal clearly has to be favored, not even because they're up one nothing. I just think that, you know, kind of the trends of the two teams. And, you know, I, 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 again, I go back to Shifley though. I'm with you. Like sometimes we all lose sight of this is that, especially when it's someone who's played five or 600 games and doesn't have a history of headhunting or anything like that. I, I just think it's such a big game. It's a big moment. He's jazzed up. He's emotional. It's not going the way he wants. And we love the emotion of the game, but the problem is it does spill over sometimes. And then there's some consequences to be paid for it. All right, CJ, let's play a little buy or sell. We'll bring in producer Tyler Uremchuk here. Yeah. Oh, what I am I buying, Tyler? So it's it's buy or sell. It's pretty simple. I give you a take or a question, and you have to decide if you're going to buy or sell on that take or a question. Uh, we'll go around the horn with each one, though. Before we do, need to let you know it's brought to you by Jock Market, jockmkt.com. Hybrid between fantasy sports and the stock market. You know, maybe you want to buy low on some jets. Maybe someone like Pierre-Luc Dubois could get a bit of an elevated role here. Check them out, jockmkt.com. Promo code DFO50 gets you a $50 deposit bonus. I'm not going to start in Canada. We're going to go south of the border where I can't take my eyes off Kale McCarr, man. Every time this guy's on the ice, he's impressing me. He's an AJHL boy as well, so I like that. I'm going to go ahead and say he's the best defenseman playing in the playoffs right now. CJ, I'll start with you. You're buying or selling. And if you sell, you got to tell me who you think the best D-man is. I'm actually buying that one. You know, I, I think that if he played a full regular season, he'd be the favorite for the Norris. He might still win the Norris. Um, you know, I, we're all quick to realize on this guy. He was he was great in the playoffs a couple of years ago when he's w- walking out of, you know, walking right into the NHL out of nowhere. So, yeah, I, I'm buying that one. I love the abs. I, I, don't, I don't play the gambling game, but if I did, I'd be putting my house on the abs winning this cup. Frank, I'm going to buy as well. Um, Victor Hedman obviously isn't at full strength. There's some really other, uh, other really good D men, Shea Theodore, uh, Jacob Slavin has been fantastic in Carolina. Uh, but at uh, Kel McCarr, it's hard to argue with that. Well, I'll just be different. I'm going to sell and I'm going to say, uh, cause I've watched him a lot. Uh, Charlie McAvoy in Boston has been incredible for them in the postseason. I think he, he's added a lot. And I, and I think, 
you know, Colorado probably has a better, I think they have a better overall defense core. So McAvoy might be more important to his team because there's a bigger gap where you've got, you know, Graves and you've got Girard and the other guys in Colorado. So I will say Charlie McAvoy. And I love, I love Kale McCarr, but man, McAvoy's really impressed me this postseason. I struggled with how I want to word this next one, but both Edmonton and Toronto need to make some changes. They need to bounce back next season. If you could only buy the stock of one of those two teams heading into next year, which one would you buy? Who do you think has the better chance of bouncing back next season? I'll flip the order. Go to you first, Jason. Well, I'll go Edmonton because their division, right? You look at the Pacific division, there's them and there's Vegas. And then there's a lot of question marks in Calgary and LA and Anaheim and San Jose and the new Seattle Kraken and Vancouver. Whereas Toronto goes back to Tampa Bay and, uh, and Boston and their arch nemesis and, so I will say, I think Edmonton will have, uh, they might not necessarily be the better team, but I will pay their stock and they will have a better chance to go farther. Hmm. I'm going to take Toronto and I'm going to say, you know, I, I think all the reasons you pointed out are really strong. And I think even going back to the Atlantic, it makes it really difficult for Toronto to say that team as currently constituted as a sure playoff team, given the big strides a team like Florida made this year. But I think, you know, CJ pointed out that I think there's going to be some pretty significant changes. Like, you know, I'm just going to throw out a total hypothetical and there's no reporting to this at all. But what if you were to swap a Mitch Marner and a deal for a Seth Jones, for instance, like that'd be something that I think you'd have to be looking at. And, and I think Toronto has the pieces to make a bigger change this offseason. And I'm buying Edmonton guys just because they have the cap space, you know, and, and that's a, sometimes you misspend cap space, of course. So there's a bit of an article of faith here. I'm acknowledging that they're going to make good use of it and bring the right players in. But, you know, I think it's going to be a really interesting off season uh, for Ken Holland and, and his staff there with the Oilers. And, you know, as Jason says, just, just a division set up for more success. I'm probably watching Leafs too closely too. And I just saw them lose a series. They shouldn't have lost. So I'm buying Edmonton for, for next season. Since we got the extra insider firepower here, I'm going to ask about some specific players and situations heading into the summer in Buffalo. Sam Reinhardt, Jack Eichel, both reportedly on the block. I'm going to say neither are Sabres at the start of next season. Chris, you buying or selling? I'm going to sell on that one. You know, I think it's going to be hard to move off both of those players. You know, obviously both are in play to a degree, um, but you know, here's the thing in the NHL, and it probably frustrates a lot of us. We don't see a lot of huge trades. And the Eichel situation has a lot of nuance to it. But, you know, that's a really difficult trade to make. I'm not saying 100% he's not going to be sold, but I just have trouble seeing both him traded and Reinhardt in, in the same offseason. Uh, you know, I just think that might be too much to ask. Yeah, I'm going to sell, and a lot of it for, for that reason. I do think Jack Eichel is traded this summer. But I don't think Sam Reinhardt is. I go back to a conversation that I had with Don Granado to close out the season, and he was saying, you know, for all the public hoopla about Sam Reinhardt and whatever public posturing may be in place, people try and read into his press conferences. He said he was one of the real leaders of that team to close out the year. He's productive, he's young, and I think he's one of those guys that you build around in Buffalo. Yeah, I got to sell too because, guys, you, you got to remember uh, Kevin Adams – who, by the way, Jason Strudwick with a classic comparison. Uh, he believes that uh, he looks a lot like uh, uh, Les Nesman, which is uh, fantastic, <laughs> by the way. So anyway, um, I look at him. He doesn't have a ton of experience yet. 
Now, maybe they'll bring in Jim Rutherford or someone else, but to, to make a Jack Eichel trade, as Chris said, that that's difficult enough. Then you're going to try to trade Reinhardt and then, you know, Reese Delinen piped up and said, Hey, if they want to trade me, I'm open to it too. Like that. <laughs> You know, the, the opposing GMs are circling every day and calling him to see if, Hey, maybe we can pull one over here on, on a, maybe a less experienced GM. So I think that Buffalo, I might be, I won't be surprised if both of them end up back in, in Buffalo because the Jack Eichel injury, well, not injury, but the potential surgery. I'm just, I wonder how that hangs over the head of other teams. Are they risk, Are they risking wanting to take on that contract without knowing about that? So I'm actually going to sell and say that neither gets moved. Ooh. Well, you know, it's a good buy or sell question when everyone sells on it. Uh, the fourth one I got <laughs> here, similar theme, but I'm going to say one of Johnny Goudreau or Sean Monahan are traded out of Calgary this off season. Jason, you can start. Oh yeah. I buy that for sure. I think, you know what? Uh, and I'll say this Calgary has got to be very careful because Sean Monahan, up until like the last 10 games of the season in his draft class, he still had more goals than Nathan McKinnon. I'm not saying he's as good as Nathan McKinnon, but he's had a really consistent career and he's banged up. It's a COVID year. Like I know other teams are going to try to buy low on him and that would be smart, but Calgary has got to be very uh, leery of that. I thought he just had an off season with injuries and COVID and everything. His shooting percentage was in the ditch and that's not going to continue. So I think one's going to get traded for sure, because I think they've got to change up their courts being too much of the same for a long time, kind of similar to, to uh, Toronto, but not necessarily just for cap space. I just think they need to make a difference. So I think one's going for sure. Yeah, I'll buy that as well. Um, And I think for the reasons you mentioned, you know, with Monaghan, I think the same in, in a lot of ways exists for Gaudreau. And I should remind everyone that these are two guys on contracts that are really manageable cap hits that teams can absorb pretty easily. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that we're talking about Johnny Gaudreau as a 95 point player, 96 point player in this league. So can he get back to that? I don't think there's any question physically that he's capable and has the skill set to do it. So I think teams are going to be interested and, and that's why one of them is going to end up being on the move, but um, nonetheless, it, it is a very delicate situation for Calgary. And I think that's why they didn't make any one of those moves last summer. This is a half-hearted sell, but I just feel like we can't sweep another uh, <laughs> go in the same way. You know, here's the thing. Both those guys have at least explored the market on them the last two summers. You know, a lot of that goes around around the league. It's hard to know how close they ever were to anything. You know, maybe they, they stay. I'm, I'm trying to make it a little different. But, I, you know, if I'm being truthful, I do think it's likely at least one of them does find a new home this summer. You don't have to watch out for my feelings or anything. You can buy on it if you want to. Uh, you know, I'm just trying to be a little different, make people keep tuning in. You know, there's a reason to keep watching. Uh, last one. We've had Yarmo Kekalainen on this podcast, and we all know his history, too. He's held on to guys like Panarin and Bobrovsky. I'm going to stay say Yarmo stays stubborn, and he holds on to Seth Jones this summer, and maybe it's a deal at the deadline, but I'll say Seth Jones is staying a jacket throughout the summer. Chris? I'm slamming the sell button. I'm not even letting the other guys talk on that one. I think he's, I think he's as good as gone. The way this is all sort of played out publicly, the way things they've been through as an organization, the fact that they're kind of ripping off the bandaid, you know, new head coach coming in JD back uh, in their front office. You know, I think he's gone. I think there's even an outside chance. And I mean, very outside the Zach Wierenski that they have to find out what's going to happen there. But certainly Seth Jones, I think is gone this summer. Any fun teams you think Chris that he'll go to any top contenders? I don't know. Why not the Oilers? <laughs> Got his brother there. <laughs> yeah, Oilers you know, fans have been. I think actually the two cities you guys are sitting close to would be two of the teams I think make among the most sense. 
Yeah, the Elliot Edmonton. Philadelphia, I agree. That's that's the one. I think they're going to make a splash. The other team I think is don't sleep on the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think the Pittsburgh Penguins might try to to make a splash. And I'm going to sell too, uh, Tyler. I, I think that I think they learned from you know, kept Bobrovsky. They kept Panarin. Now, granted, that was a totally different situation. Yeah. They were a team that was competitive that year. I don't. They can't go into to a season where Seth Jones says he's going to test free agency because all that does is. Every game that passes, I think it lessens his value for the team that acquires him. They think it's a rental. You're going to want a team that can acquire him now, get him into their organization, and hopefully, you know, convince him to want to sign with them, right? Like, I I, I wonder if some teams, if, if you might see Columbus grant permission to a team to talk. So it's almost like a sign and trade situation because then Columbus can get even more from him, but man, he's going to command a lot. Like I know some people have tried to twist his numbers around on, on analytics to suggest he's not that good. I think Seth Jones is a really good defenseman. I think he's, he's top 10 for sure. And might be a top five. There'll be a long list of teams that want him. I was just going to say, uh, he's a top five defenseman for me. He's gotten Nars trophy votes from me previously and more to the point, you know, you guys mentioned Philly and Edmonton, like what teams aren't going to be interested in Seth Jones? There's going to be 31 other teams. Now you can include Seattle in the mix. Uh, you know, I think teams would move anyone, you know, so to speak on their roster and create whatever cap space necessary to sign him in order to get a guy like Seth Jones. Cause you, you know, you just can't produce guys like that. They don't grow on trees. Feels like he's been in the league for so long, but it's it's hard to remember. He's still very young as well, right? Like he's still only in his mid twenties. Uh, that's been buy or sell, clean sweeps on the last few. So I'll crawl back into my cave and reevaluate my question making process. But it's brought to you by JockMKT.com. Remember that promo code DFO fifty gets you a fifty dollar deposit bonus. Awesome, thanks, Ty. Guys, I want to quickly kind of circle back more to Jones because he's an elite player, right? And those guys, they don't come on the block that often for certain teams like you know there are some teams you could probably look at tampa bay because you know they're in cap hell anyway so unless someone else is going to have surgery in the mid you know uh to be out all season long i'm not sure how they can fit him in in their cap situation but you look at like he could be an instant difference maker because he can play so many minutes at a key position for you and and i i look at teams it's funny because you know, Toronto, who is a really good team, they beat a really good team, but haven't been able to win in the playoffs. We know that every year a team that has high expectations suddenly doesn't go as far as they want in the playoffs. And maybe we wouldn't think they were looking for a big splash. Suddenly, you know, they want to jump right in. So if I had to handicap for you guys, Chris, and you'd mentioned Edmonton and Philly, and is there anybody else that you look just off the top of your head and say, hey, and not just the team, but like, what type of return are we talking? Do you think Seth Jones gets you two legit players or is it going to have to be a package of a lot of prospects and picks? Well, I think the key to this trade ultimately, if it happens, is, is going to be what you're saying. I think it's going to be as part of signing an extension. You know, I, I, I don't see them making the deal just as kind of a one-year rental for a team and they're not sure before they make the deal if they'll resign there. So to me, the key to the deal is, is that piece, is sort of working with Seth, you know, making sure it's a, a place he's willing to go and that he's willing to talk to the, them because you, you're right. That's the way to maximize his value. And so if that's a circumstance, I think you're talking at minimum, obviously a very legit prospect, you know, one or two top picks, maybe both first rounders. I mean, you're right. There's, there's not a lot of precedent for this because we don't see this kind of player move too often. You know, for me, if you're on the, the other end of this trade, the only thing that gives me a small bit of pause and it's small because this was a screwed up year 
but Seth didn't play very well this year. And, and I get that that he's, he's got a lot of company in Columbus with that. Uh, but I'd, I'd want some idea of why that happened or just, just some comfort there. And I don't personally have the answer. You know, I think again, I, I'm careful with any criticism of players in this particular season. I think that there's a lot of challenges and things that we don't know about on the media side of things, but you know, I'd want comfort in that if I'm making it, if I'm giving that outlay and then giving him a six or seven year extension. So you know, I think any team that does it has to answer that, but I'm, I'm with Frank's point. I, I think, legitimately there's 10 teams in that. I was kind of being a bit facetious by saying Edmonton and Philly, just because I know where you two live. But, um, you know, I think that those two teams make sense, but there's, there's a lot more, even including Toronto, if they're willing to, 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 I mean, the Leafs have to bolster their blue line. If one of the best blue liners in the league is being moved, they have to be in on that, at least on some level. All right, Chris, you've been a good sport. We're going to wrap it up with a little rapid fire, just some fun questions, not so much about hockey, the only rule is you have to answer them honestly. So Chris Johnson, as you're working your way through the pandemic, what has been your drink of choice? Collective arts beer has been big. Um, it's, it's a local brewery in Hamilton, Ontario, but there's one right near my house where they sell it. And that's basically all I'm drinking. So whenever this pandemic uh, wraps up and it's in our rear view mirror, finally, and the borders are open. You're a pretty adventurous traveler. Where has Chris Johnson and your wife, Krista, where have you guys pinpointed on a map that you guys are going to go to next? I want to go everywhere. We actually haven't made a plan. I want to go back to Europe, though. It's been a, been a while, obviously. I don't have one spot in mind. I, I'd like to get to Sweden again. But even in the States, I mean, it's so weird not to be down there as much as we travel. So. I'm being honest, but we don't have one spot in mind. For me, it's Scandinavia or ooh, California, maybe Philly to have a glass of wine with you, Frank, too. Ah, thanks, buddy. Uh, I'd enjoy that. So give me one trait about Elliot Friedman that you admire. He never stops. Like, I feel like I work hard. He's working harder. You know, he's, he's staying up later and he's, he's up earlier doing this stuff. He's, and he's a super teammate, which is a second trait. And I violated your question, but his, his work ethic and the way he is to work and the kind of guy he is to work with are both, I mean, top drawer. I don't have a bad word to say about him. And that's, that is the honest truth. Okay. So now you got to give me one quirk about Elliot Friedman that drives you crazy. He starts sentences in the middle of the sentence and half the time, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. Like when he texts me, like, give us an example. I wish I could. It would be like, he, he just texts you like you're in the middle of a conversation, but you haven't talked about it and you don't know what he's talking about. And then you try to phone him and he doesn't answer the call because he's in a conversation with someone else. And so there's a, there's sort of, there's a lack of clarity that drives me nuts. Uh, I, I say that playfully. He's also, when you're in the same room with him, he's, always on his phone to a point that is like almost annoying. Like if you're just like, Hey Elliot, you know, what do you think of this thing that just happened? You'll never get an answer. He's just, he lives, he lives like a 15 year old these days just doing this. <laughs> so, okay. So again, the borders are open. What do you miss most about the U S and what's the first thing you're going to do when you come back to the States? Hopefully go to a hockey game. I miss Tampa. I love Tampa. Um, you know, I love Nashville. I love Vegas. You know, for me, honestly, so much, you know, I've traveled there personally, you know, obviously, but like I've, 
I would say 90% of the times I've traveled to the U.S., I've been there a ton, as you know, Frank, it's just been work. And so I'd love to get back to the places that I like to visit for to be in those places to see the people I like. You know, for me, the pandemic, that's been the hardest thing. I'm not seeing a lot of my friends here in Toronto, but I'm certainly not seeing my friends elsewhere. And so, you know, I hope when I can get back across the border, I'm going to a hockey game and I'm with the people I care about most. Good answer. And so last one to wrap up rapid fire, you got back on a running kick in the pandemic. Your, your track record was unbelievable running every day for a year plus. Uh, you raised some awesome money for conquer COVID-19 running a single solo marathon. What's the next thing on Chris Johnson's to-do list in the pandemic as we're still in it? I hope to keep running, man. Today is actually day 400 of my streak. So I've, I've run every day for 400. And, um, you know, I guess, yeah, like I want to get back to the real life. something like the way I'm sure everyone does. I want to see some family and friends. And I, I actually want to be able to carry this, this health kick for myself forward. Cause you know, it's offered me a chance to sort of realign some priorities and get, you know, some better habits for things I was neglecting. And so I want to keep those things going as, as the world opens up and I get traveling and all those things again. So I'm not saying this streak will continue forever, but uh, I'd like to see it at least at 500. Okay. I, w- I want to interject with one. Um, well, anytime we're talking with a real life Forrest Gump, I have to ask you, when you say you run every day for 400 days, like, are we talking 5k a day, 1k, 10, like how many K are you running every day? 10 basically every day, you know, I, every day. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's a few days in there where I've run five or eight or something like that, but I'm averaging, I think 11 a day for 400 days. Basically. So what, what was your tip to ensure that your body didn't wear down? Are, they, are you a foam rolling expert? Well, you got a hot tub. You, you got one of those new uh, massage guns that everybody has. How do you ensure that your body just wasn't wearing down? I hope you don't have any people who really know what they're doing listening to this. Cause like, I don't do anything. You know, it's, it's really bad to say I don't stretch. I know. And, and look at fill my mentions. I know I'm an idiot. I know I'm going to feel it when I'm 60 or 70 or whatever, but I, I really, you know, I used to run Jason, you might not also know me like 10, 12 years ago, a fair bit. I got out of the habit. And so when the, the, the COVID got here and I couldn't do anything, I just thought, Hey, I got the chance to do this again. I used to love it. I, I didn't stop because I didn't love it. I just got too busy and neglected it. And so I just started simply and I've, I've kept going, you know, some days when I'm not feeling amazing, which obviously happens, I just don't go that fast. I, I don't put pressure on myself about time or anything, uh, but I get out there and do it every day. And I, I'm not joking. Again, this might not work for everyone. I've never felt better. I've never felt sort of lighter on my feet. My legs are never sore. Like if I had more time, I feel like I could be running more than that, but I don't know what science or the doctors would say, but I, I've never had an easier time running. And I did that marathon Frank mentioned, and I'd done marathons in the past. Like it, I wouldn't say it's easy cause I don't want to trivialize it, but it, it wasn't that hard. And I ran 15 minutes faster than I did 12 years ago and I'm older and lamer. So I don't know what, I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but it's working for me. Well, no, that's awesome, man. Like, Hey, I, uh, we do a lot of workout stuff on my show and Jeff Wood says, you know, everybody's body type is different and you find what works for you. And you know, when, when it's only five or 10 K, do you find though, do you run, do you run a lot on grass or are you automatically running on like pavement cement? Mostly pavement cement. You know, I live downtown Toronto. There's a great waterfront trail here for anyone who hasn't been down here. Like literally you can just go forever in either direction, but it's, it's on cement. And so I, the one thing I will do, I don't, 
someone t- gave me this tip early on. I don't even know if it's real, but I have right now three pairs of running shoes. And so I don't wear the same pair of shoes each day. They, they say that they need time to get the cushioning back. So I do rotate my shoes. That's about the only thing I'd say I do to, to account for doing it every single day. I have a favorite pair though, which is how weird it is. So I can only wear them every three days and I'm excited when I get to run in that pair again. But um, yeah, I just take it easy. And if anything hurts, I would, I wouldn't do it. Cause the whole goal in keeping a streak going, obviously is you have to stay healthy enough to keep doing it. Well, I love it, man. I hope, uh, shoot for 500 and just keep going from there. You, yeah, whatever the streak ends, you'll be like Forrest. You just choose one day to stop running, which is fantastic, but I hope you can run as long as you can. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm actually, the one thing I'm nervous about when Frank's asked about going to the U S is, you know, there's been some talk about me going to the third round or the Stanley cup final that if I came home, there's a 14 day quarantine and that would end my streak for me. And, you know, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I I'm kind of fretting that discussion with my bosses. Oh, what if you get a, what if you run on a treadmill? Would that count? It would, but I got to get a treadmill in here. I live yeah. in a pretty oh, small okay. condo. We'll get a sponsor for that. Just CJ, you're a national. Yeah, we'll guy. get you. We'll get you a treadmill. Yeah, we'll get you a treadmill. Right, if I got to go, sure. that's Who, a good point, Jason. Which treadmill company that. wouldn't want, hey, we're keeping his streak alive. It's fantastic. That's actually awesome. I could sit here and run 20K. I got, I got nothing to do sitting in my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's been, honestly, it's been, it's been really good. It's kept me sane through the whole thing. I mean, forget the physical part. It's, it's given me something to focus on that isn't what's going on in the world. I mean, I'm not saying I'm ignoring that stuff either, but it's sort of like it, for me, it's helped uh, funnel any stress, anxiety, all that kind of thing. Well, it sounds healthy, man. I love it. Thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Keep it up boys. Thank you. Well, Chris Johnson, I love it. Running every day man for a year that's outstanding and you got to find out what works for you it's not hey if chris johnson does it i have to do it but you find out what works for you but good for him man and i know frank we talked to uh cj before like he's down 40 pounds and he just feels awesome so it's uh i love seeing people that uh, you know push themselves to try new things good for him like honestly so proud of him and and what he's put into it um you know i've always i have a confession i've always wanted to be a runner but I could never, I could never break through that. You know, he mentioned sort of, you know, getting through that first 5k and and I just, I can never get through that on a consistent basis. Part of it's time. uh, You know, kids keep me going. Part of it's just like, I I don't feel good when I run. Like I, I'm like a lot of hockey players, by the way, are terrible runners. You know, their ankles just aren't built for it. I don't know if, you know, growing up playing, I never did a lot of running, um, if that's part of it, but I, you know, I, I'd always, I've always wanted to be a runner. I just don't get any, you know, doesn't like, it doesn't push my button, so to speak. It doesn't get me excited. Yeah. I like running 5k after that I get bored. And also, um, my problem is cause, uh, last summer I hadn't ran literally like I ran track and I liked it. I hadn't ran. And then me and, uh, Strudwick decided out of stupidity that we were going to, uh, run like 5k three times a week for the first two weeks of the month, then we're going to get up to four days and then we're going to get up to five because we're going to run 75 K. Well, on, uh, on the second last day, you know, I, my calf muscle seized up and I was limping around for like three weeks. And, you know, I talked to my trainers, like, are you a moron? You could like, there's running, but you can't just suddenly go from zero to running five times a week at five. And I was running pretty fast. Like I was running, you know, five K in 22 minutes. And so, Oh, wow. And you so, can, yeah, you can goes, move. so you're really hoofing it. And then, you know, you're, you're, and I'm probably not doing any stretching cause I'm about as flexible as a crowbar. So, you know, I, I'd like to get back in it, but 
any racing of after 5k, I just like, I always applaud the guys and gals who can do it because I'm with you for, I lost motivation, but 5k was like a good number. And I could really push myself to be exhausted after 5k, but didn't want to do any longer. I mean, think about what CJ did a few weeks ago, raising money for conquer COVID-19 on the one year anniversary of running, you know, every single day, 365th day, he does a solo marathon. It's hard enough to do a marathon, you know, starting with a corral of people and music that pumps you up in a course that's blocked off, let alone to do it by yourself, create your own course and do it in the middle of a work day when, you know, people just think you're just some guy out running. Like, I don't know how you keep the motivation to do it. Super impressive. And uh, wow. I mean, what an accomplishment though. 400 days in a row. Yeah, that's amazing. Now, before I let you go, Frank, uh, for fun, like you look at Seth Jones, Hey, are you surprised that Jones said, like, I kind of respect that he's giving Columbus the opportunity to maybe maximize the return. Are you surprised at all? He felt like he didn't want, he wasn't going to resign there. And then B, do you have anyone who's like a legit front runner for you to acquire Seth Jones? I am not surprised. I mean, look, this is a guy that's already been traded once in his career. So I don't know that he's, you know, he's not like Columbus drafted him and he needed to stay there. He felt some tie to the city or the organization and that that never really existed. He's seen the parade of players on their way out. Um, he's also knows that it's probably going to be a little bit of a lengthy process for Columbus to really get good again. And, you know, as far as a front runner, I mean, look, like I think there's so many teams that could be in the mix. Um, you know, I, I mean, I mentioned it as a hypothetical, but I, I do think that there would be something to Toronto and getting in the mix on Seth Jones, I, I think you'd have to consider, you know, what about a team like the Los Angeles Kings? Drew Doughty had a, yes. a great bounce back season, but he would fit their age scheme with what they're building towards. I think Edmonton makes sense. The Flyers really need to make a big splash this off season. Um, you know, you mentioned Charlie McAvoy and he's played like a number one. What about the Boston Bruins? Like they are going to have a little bit of cap flexibility they were looking to potentially upgrade their defense. Like Seth Jones would be a perfect fit to keep that, you know, window open and ball. I just think there's so many teams that would, you know, really bend over backwards to get Seth Jones. And then why not Seattle? Like, can you think of a better franchise to start building your team around than Seth Jones? Like I, I think they don't have the capital players wise to trade to Columbus, but they do have, um, obviously draft picks and they're going to be able to select a few guys. Like why not be able to put a package together? Yeah. I think my only concern there is if I'm Seth Jones, do I want to sign an extension with Seattle as an expansion team? Like I know that they're going to try to present themselves like, Hey, look what Vegas did and we can do the same thing. I just, I think that's going to be the, the challenge. So I think that the front runner teams are ones that uh, Seth Jones probably feels comfortable with, re-signing thinking, Hey, you know what, if I sign five years or six or whatever term he signs seven, whatever it is that, uh, he, you know, he might, uh, you know, if he's more willing to sign there, then I think there's a much better chance for a trade, but it'll definitely be, it's going to be a big storyline of the summer. There's uh there's no question. Well, here, here's the thing, Jason, I, I think it actually would be easier to create a list of teams that, you know, would be out on Seth Jones. That's really what we'd be talking yeah. about. Yeah, that's probably fair. Yeah, like I think Tampa Bay, just because of all their money and everything else, I, I think they're out. I think Carolina has a boatload of defensemen. Um, if they're not going to re-sign Dougie Hamilton, I'm not, you know, 
know, maybe they could do it, but I probably wouldn't have them Seattle. And then there's Arizona is definitely out and, you know, there's, you're right. There's a few others. So that'll be a fun process. Probably a Colorado because they've got, you know, we mentioned the guys they've got on their blue line with McCarr and et cetera. It, the list of teams that are definitely out is going to be short. Yeah, it's true. It'll be and Colorado, man, them and Tampa just look like uh, they're on a collision course to see if they'll meet a lot can happen though, between now and then Frank, enjoy the golf. Say uh, hydrate yourself and uh, we will uh, talk to you next week. Have a good one. Oh, no, before we go, Frank, see, the, I want to say hello because this could roasty coffee is a new sponsor on the pod. Roastycoffee.ca because Frank might, you might need a few cups of this on the weekend to keep you fresh. Hey, look, you know, that's the best part. We're going to have roasty featured in just about every episode moving forward. And when I hold up my cup, you'll never know what's in there. Is it roasty coffee? Is it water? Is it something else? So let's have some fun. Uh, hey, dude, I had a mango margarita today on Thursday, Thursday. Homemade is one of the best I've ever had. So I would probably crush that in here too. So, you know what? I got to get in on your thirsty Thursday thing. Like you guys, you, you, you seem to be artisans behind the bar. Now, well, I, you know, I, I will give a hundred percent credit to my wife. She, uh, I come up with the odd one, but she does all the presentation. It's top shelf. She used to be a bartender, so she's killing it. Oh, perfect. Well, there you go. That's yeah, it's good. Awesome, impressive. Frank. Well, have a great weekend. Uh, keep it down the fairway. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.